Good evening, brethren, wherever you might be in the world, this very important evening. This is Peter Nathan speaking to you from Charlotte. Uh, This message for the night to be much observed is obviously recorded in advance so that you have it in time for this evening. For myself, I will be meeting with the brethren in Western Kenya, uh, observing both the Passover and the uh, uh, Holy Days with them, and of course, keeping this very important evening together with them. In starting... I trust that you had a very meaningful Passover last night. I say that because we come to this evening because of the Passover. We remember the deliverance of Israel from Egyptian bondage, as recorded in the Bible. But we remember that not just as a historical event of uh, three and a half thousand years ago, but as a lesson for us of our own departure from bondage, a lesson that we keep on learning year after year as we keep these days. So tonight we start the Days of Unleavened Bread, the days that rehearse the important lesson of leaving leaven, a type of sin, out of our lives. And it is a continuing lesson for us because of the pervasiveness of sin within this world. This evening is linked to the Passover in many ways. The reality of the Passover the previous evening enabled the exodus to take place on this evening. The reality of Christ's sacrifice as our Passover enables us to have and focus on our exodus this evening as well. Last year, Mr. Ames referenced the scriptures that show the exodus occurring on this very evening, even as we gather. We find that recorded in Exodus chapter 12, verse 42, Numbers 13, or 33 rather, in verse 1, and uh, Deuteronomy chapter 16, uh, verses 1 through 3. As we gather this evening, it's worthwhile rereading those scriptures so that they are very much in our mind. For my part this evening, I would like you to focus on the first of those scriptures, Exodus chapter 12 and verse 42. Because, you see, we refer to this night as the night to be much observed. And, of course, it is derived from the English statement in the King James Version, in which we read, It is a night to be much observed unto the Eternal for bringing them out from the land of Egypt. This is that that night of the Eternal to be observed of all the children of Israel in their generations. So the idea, the the name of this evening comes from the translation of the scripture. The New King James Version, which we frequently use, uh, maintains that idea of, of, of observation. With its translation, it's a night of solemn observance to the eternal for bringing them out of the land of Egypt. This is that night of the eternal a solemn observance 
for all the children of Israel throughout their generation. And so we have, it was to be a night of solemn observation or solemn observance when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, and it is to be a night of solemn observance for us as we live our lives uh, waiting for the establishment of the kingdom of God. And of course, in the kingdom of God, we will be teaching all of those people, all of those human beings to observe this night and to learn the lessons that we have learned as a result of keeping this night. Many of the more modern translations use the idea of vigil or watching instead of the term observation. Obviously, the concept of observation and watching are very uh, uh, close. Vigil adds a sense of uh, urgency to the matter. And uh, so vigil is uh, perhaps a very appropriate word in light of the way in which the Eternal phrased that verse through Moses. And so we have uh, an interesting situation here where we find that... uh, we are talking about the night to be much much observed, starting in verse 30 through uh, verse 42 of Exodus chapter 12. We read about the uh, the Exodus taking place. Prior to that in the chapter, we had read about the Passover, starting in verse 41. Verse 42, uh, sorry, in verse uh, 43, should I say, in verse 43, we find Moses returning to the Passover. So he starts talking about the Passover in the early part of the chapter, deals with the Exodus, and then returns to the Passover again. So we have this very important section here relating to the Exodus and, as the King James said, the night to be much observed. It's interesting because the word that is translated uh, observed in verse 42 or is translated vigil or watching in uh, some of the other uh, translations only occurs once in the Bible. It's a unique expression, but it is related to the idea of watching, observation, and so forth. So it's an important point. It's a, it's related to a verb to watch, to preserve, and protect, or keep, which is very common in terms of the way in which the Eternal desired to keep Israel at that period of time. Perhaps our understanding of this can really be enhanced by the understanding of the holy days. Passover, of course, relates to the death of the Lamb, ultimately fulfilled in the death of Jesus Christ. It does not relate directly to the Exodus. The Exodus was enabled. The Exodus could come about because of a Passover. The Passover had to precede it. The Israelites, on the other hand, could have taken the Passover last evening and decided to have an early night tonight and not leave Egypt. Now, fortunately, the Bible tells us that no one did that. It doesn't highlight that. But it was an option for them. They could have if they so desired. If they couldn't leave 
until the Passover had occurred. That was a requirement for this event to take place. The days of unleavened bread symbolize our coming out of sin, or you might say out of our own Egypt, as a result of our Heavenly Father's work, what He has done through the sacrifice of His Son. The Passover was ultimately God's doing. Yes, I know the Israelites had to put blood on the doorposts. They had to sacrifice a lamb to have that blood. They had to roast that lamb in a particular way. But ultimately speaking, the work of that evening was the Eternals. He passed over them because they had heeded his command. Unleavened bread requires something of us as a result of God's work. We have to do something. It's interesting to note what Paul says about this in an oft-quoted scripture from 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verses 6 through 8, where Paul said to the church and to you and me by extension, he said, your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Cleanse out that old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover uh, lamb, has been sacrificed. That's an event that's taken place that we can claim. And so he said, let us therefore celebrate the festival not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil or wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. There's a responsibility upon me, upon you, as a result of Jesus Christ, of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ as our Passover lamb, to do something. The responsibility is upon us. So we have a very important point for us to continue, consider. We find in Exodus chapter 13 and verse 3 that Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you came out of the land of Egypt, out of a house of slavery. For by a strong hand the Eternal brought you out from this place. And he said, No leavened bread shall be eaten. And, of course, in Deuteronomy 16 and verse 3, to which I referred you earlier, he said, you shall not eat leavened bread, bread with the Passover or with the days. Seven days you shall eat it with unleavened bread, the bread of affliction, for you came out of the land of Egypt in haste, so that you may remember all the days of your life, the day that you came out of the land of Egypt. So the intention is to remember, to remember, to observe this day that the Eternal brought them out of the land of Egypt. That was the 15th day of the first month, beginning this evening, as we note. And so you can read in in, uh, Numbers 33 and uh, verses 3 and 4 how they all set out from Ramesses in the first month on the 15th day of the first month. It was on the day after the Passover. The children of Israel went out triumphantly in the sight of the Egyptians. And while the Egyptians were burying their firstborn, 
whom the Eternal had struck down among them. And on their gods, the Eternal executed judgments. And so we find as well in, in, in Deuteronomy 16 and verse 1 that it was at night, this particular time of the day in which we are now gathered. So there's observation, there is watching, there is vigil on this night. It's worth our while asking ourselves, what was the Eternal's vigil about? Because the translators have a little bit of a challenge in verse 42 as to who was to be, who was observing, who was conducting a vigil. Was it the Eternal or was it the Israelites or by extension, you and me? So let's look at a number of areas in which a vigil was kept. Obviously, the Eternal was watching and having a vigil over the children of Israel to see whether Israel would obey him. Would they leave Egypt behind? Would they take their unleavened bread on their backs and leave Egypt and receive the freedom that he wished to give them? Would they obey him? Clearly, to get to that point, they had to obey him the previous evening. But now they really had to do something that was outside their comfort zone. Leave your home. Leave everything you have behind you. And take what possessions you can, your livestock, etc. And leave your comfort zone, however uncomfortable it may have been. So the Eternal was eager to see how these people responded to him and to his instruction. Secondly, second point of the Eternal's vigil for them was that he sought to protect them as they responded to his leadership. And we can read how he sent a pillar of fire before them at night and a cloud of, of a cloud in the daytime to lead them in the way and to protect them. And that cloud was very instrumental in protecting them from their enemies at various times, even within this first week as they came to the shore of the Red Sea. And so the Eternal was watching to protect them and uh, keep them from the harm that could befall them. And of course, the Eternal was watching and observing because he was seeking to fulfill his father's plan for humanity. And what was happening before his eyes was a type of what you and I have to do today in coming out of sin, leaving what may have been our comfort zone, uncomfortable and all as it may have been, but leaving it behind us. And so the Eternal was watching. And you may be able to add other points that the Eternal was concerned about watching. What about the children of Israel? They were to observe it in all their generations. So what is it that we should be watching? What should our vigil be about? Of course, this is the start of our own personal journey out of Egypt out of our own sense of bondage, whatever it was that bound us in slavery to the God of this world. We have been freed so that we can leave that behind us. Are we truly leaving it behind us? 
Are we watchful of that in our own lives? Are we watchful as well of our need to be subject to the eternal in everything we do? The realization he has our best interests at heart, but he wants the best for us. And his father's plan incorporates what is the very best for all of humanity with riches that we cannot even really comprehend at this point in time. So we we need to be watchful of that. Watchful that we are subject to the eternal. And casting our minds forward another 1,500 years from this first evening that we read in Exodus chapter 12, to the fact that it was on this very evening that the body of Jesus Christ was laid in a grave to rest there for three and a half days, uh, three, three days rather than three nights, before he was resurrected by the power of our Father, resurrected to a new life. And so uh, very important for us to observe, to be watchful of that, to be mindful of that, that our Passover was actually laid in the grave during this time. And he started those three days and three nights this evening. A number of Psalms I could refer you to, certainly Psalm 113 and 114, uh, very appropriate uh, to this particular evening. Psalm 114 is a Psalm we sing frequently in church which starts in verse 1, when Israel out of Egypt, or when Israel went out of Egypt, excuse me, the house of Jacob from a people of a strange language. Judah was his sanctuary, and Israel his domain. The sea saw it and fled, Jordan was driven back. The mountains skipped like rams, and the little hills like lambs. What ails thee, O thou sea, that you have fled? Without Jordan that you were driven back, you mountains that you skipped like rams, you little hills like lambs, tremble thou earth at the presence of the eternal. We are observing this evening because of the presence of the eternal. What the eternal did, if he could have that impact upon the physical surrounds of the children of Israel, what can he do in our life and the obstacles we face in our life. And so uh, he says, the psalmist says in verse 7, Tremble thou earth at the presence of the eternal, at the presence of the God of Jacob, which turned the rock into standing water and flint into a fountain of waters. He provided for their every need. They weren't watchful of that. They weren't observant of that. All they did was complain to Moses. We don't have this. We don't have that. We were like cucumbers and garlic instead of manna. They weren't mindful, watchful of that in any way whatsoever. Psalm 126 is another psalm that you could uh, make a note of because it talks about bringing back the captivity of Zion. Now, of course, one could say this is the captivity from Babylon that is being discussed. 
Fine. But notice the attitude that the Eternal anticipates and the Eternal hopes to see from us. He said, we were like those who dream. This is beyond our wildest imaginations. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and the tongue was singing. And they said among the heathen, or among the nations, the Eternal has done great things for them. The Eternal has done great things for us, and we are glad. Bring back our captivity, O Eternal, as the streams of the south. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. And so there may be times of anxiety, there may be times of distress in life. But the Eternal says, this is a time of rejoicing, when we're brought back to where the Eternal wants us to be, when we recognize our place within his plan for all humanity. And so very important, it really takes us right down to uh, what we read last evening in John's Gospel. John chapter 16, starting in verse 19. Jesus, of course, knew that they desired to ask him. And he said to them, What are you asking among yourselves about what I said? A little while and I'll be with you. And you will, a little while and you will not see me. And again, a little while you will see me. Verse 20, he said, Most assuredly, I say to you that you will weep and lament. Yes, there is a time of weeping and lamenting. And the disciples were to weep and lament. But he said, the world will rejoice. And you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned to joy. A woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she's given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. Therefore now you have sorrow. They had sorrow at that particular night in a great way. But he said, I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice. You will rejoice. You will bring those sheaves with rejoicing, as Psalm 126 said. And that joy no one will be able to take from you because you understand the reality of God's plan and the definiteness of the Eternal's intention and the Father's plan for humanity. This aspect of sorrow became a reality for them as Jesus was arrested later that night, tried and crucified. He died in the daylight part of the 14th a few hours before now. Tonight, for them, the night to be observed was one of fear, anxiety, and sorrow. There was no joy for them. Their concern was for their own survival. Yet three days later, that anxiety, that trepidation that they suffered, was turned into joy with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That joy, coupled with the Holy Spirit, motivated them 
into the greatest crusade, the founding of God's church and the preaching of the gospel as a witness to a perverse generation. We, brethren, also are recipients of that joy. Through Christ's suffering, through his death, through his resurrection, we can have that same joy. And it's not just the joy of being freed from the physical things of this world, but the joy of being freed from the spiritual bondage of this world. We find in Romans chapter 5 and verses 6 through 11, the Apostle Paul mentioned this. He said, when we were without strength, in due time Christ died for us, the ungodly. For scarcely shall a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But the Father, God the Father, demonstrates his own love toward us. And the while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having been justified by his blood, we'll be saved from wrath through him. For if we were enemy, if we, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. There is cause for much joy tonight on our part. And not only that, that we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received the reconciliation. We have the opportunity to be reconciled to our Father, to have the mind of Christ, to be able to see things from his perspective. Last evening, we remembered the death of Jesus Christ, the Son of the Most High. That death paid the penalty for our sins, enabling us to come out of sin ourselves, a cause for much rejoicing. Then he was laid in the grave for three days and three nights, starting with this evening, so that you and I could be made free. A wonderful event to consider. By the time those of you in much of the United States and get to watch this video. Those of us in Western Kenya will be most likely sound asleep, getting some rest in preparation for the services tomorrow. We wish you well in advance. Enjoy this evening and rejoice in the freedom that our Father has provided for us through the Passover sacrifice of his Son, Jesus Christ, and the ability to keep these days of unleavened bread, eating the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Good evening to you, brethren, and have a wonderful fellowship this evening with one another. We'll see you again.